you in the name of all that is good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Thank you, Carol, for reminding us to expect a miracle. As I say, sometimes you don't get what you pray for, you get what you expect. Expect good stuff. I want you to imagine that you have a time machine, and you're able to go back to the years between 1942 and 1945. And you're alongside to witness an accomplished and highly respected psychiatrist as he and his mother and his father and his wife are imprisoned in a Nazi death camp. And while he's confined there, the psychiatrist's father perishes, his mother is exterminated, his wife dies. The environment is filled with an air of hopelessness and despair. There appears to be no apparent reason for any of those in prison to go on living anymore. And there, as you're witnesses, you see how that psychiatrist observed his fellow inmates, and he noticed that they were in shock when they arrived at those camps. And they experienced emotional death. And once they resigned themselves to accept to being there, they still felt that sense of resignation. And even when they were liberated, when they were set free, they were disillusioned. And the psychiatrist focused on the apathetic prisoners who had basically given up on life. And he was determined, despite losing the most important things in his life, how he was going to avoid that same fate, avoid that apathy that they went through. And he discovered and made the underpinning of his philosophy and life's work to realize that human beings' deepest and most important desire is to find meaning in life. And if they put their faith in finding that meaning, they can not only survive anything, They can even thrive in their life experiences. Well, many of you know the psychiatrist Viktor Frankl and the author of the book, The Man's Search for Meaning. It's considered one of the 10 most influential books ever written in the U.S. and sold, I think, 10 million copies or more. It's translated to 24 languages. Probably something someone all should read to serve as a foundation for what it means and determine what 
It means to live a worthwhile, meaningful, and I would even add an audacious life. This week is the second week of our Faith in Action series on divine audacity. Understanding that we're here to manifest bold spiritual living, in which we declare and affirm that we are divine. We're human, yes, but we're also divine because our nature and God's nature are one and the same. And in this series, we are covering the 12 powers. And those 12 powers correspond to the 12 disciples. And of course, we know in this teaching, we look at what we call the metaphysical and the metaphysical interpretation of the disciples. Because we look at the Bible from that allegorical perspective in which all the disciples as well as all the events that take place represent something going on within us. And particularly those disciples represent our spiritual abilities. They represent our spiritual faculties. And we call those faculties into our service to be of service to the world so we can be that light. And we can be those divinely audacious beings that we're here to be. So today we're looking at the powers of faith and understanding. Now we know that faith means different things to different people. For most, for many people, faith means to believe in something outside of themselves, oftentimes a God of some sort. And some people have, we believe, more faith than others. And we hear people say, well, you know, I wish I had as much faith as so-and-so or my grandmother. They seem to have so much faith because we may believe that there's more faith over there than there is over here where I am. And we wish we had more. You know, faith, as is pointed out in Hebrews, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Co-founder of Unity, Charles Fillmore, said it was the perceiving power of mind linked with the ability to shape substance or stuff, as I like to say it, and the power to do the seemingly impossible. For me, I've summed up this idea what faith means is that when you believe in more of what you do not see than what you do see, what you do see, you won't see. And what you don't see, you will see. You see. <laughs> the reality is we're going to have, we have all the faith we're ever going to have. But the question that we must ask ourselves, where are we going to direct this faith power, this direct faith energy? And I think the, the energy behind faith is hope. And when we activate hope and direct our faith by asking this question, what is the best that can come out of this? We may be going through something. We want to ask, what can be the best out of this? And when we start directing our energy toward answering that question, oh, solutions begin to reveal themselves. The fact of the matter is, our faith faculty is not concerned about the appearances. It's not concerned about the seeming lack of limitation. It's not concerned about the difficulty of manifesting the idea that we really want. Our faith power believes in it even though we don't see any evidence of it in our minds at this moment. 
we have to choose where we're going to direct our faith. I thought about this as I recall the story in the Bible of, the, of Daniel in the lion's den. And as we read that story, we discover, you know, Daniel was a praying man. He prayed three or four times a day. He had a permanent prayer field. He had a shield around him. He didn't just pray when he was thrown in the lion's den. Now, that would have been a good thing nonetheless. Anyway, he was thrown in the lion's den, and he had no worry. But here's the key as to why he was able to say, no worries, mom. We'll read the Daniel story and look at many of the artists' depiction of that story, and we see the particular scene. We see a couple of things. He wasn't looking at the lions. He was looking at the light. He was looking at the cell, uh, in the cell facing toward Jerusalem, which is the city of peace. That depiction is symbolic. Daniel was not looking and staring at his problem. He was thinking not about the problem. He was thinking about the presence and the power of the love of God. We know in that thought, there are no problems. God only knows divine and perfect spiritual solutions. Sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes you may wake up during the day and you, you go over your problems over and over again. We look at the world and we go over the problems over and over again. And we end up directing our faith to the problem. But we don't want to look at the problem as Daniel did not look at the problem. He looked toward the light. And the lions could not attack him because his vibration was at one with the presence of God, with the grand universe in which we live, which is always friendly. You know, as we're moving through life, we have our lions in our own life sometimes that are chasing us. We have us they may have us closed in. Our backs may be against the wall. And all we see are the lions. We have to take our time and turn away from that focus and begin to go toward the light, go toward the solution. And where and what we focus our faith energy on makes all the difference in the world. Nelson Mandela spoke of being confined in a prison in South Africa and relegated to hard labor. You know, the court had sentenced him to a life imprisonment due to his efforts to end apartheid. And of course, he had a grand vision to transform that country. And at first, he thought his vision would end, that he couldn't see the vision being fulfilled. And he continuously filled his mind with thoughts that he would never realize the good that he sought to have for where he lived. But one day he had a revelation. A stream of light landing on a parched field, he extrived it. And a thought popped into his mind that the good that he was seeking to work for so hard, he believed it could really happen. And so he began to nurture that idea. He embodied that thought. And then a new idea began to arise. And he started to believe that the experience that he was going through was exactly how his vision was supposed to look. He began to hold the view that being in prison was the means to achieve the goals that he sought. So he held that expectation. He held that expectation as he began to see his circumstance completely differently. He recognized that his imprisonment was how the process looked on the way to manifesting his vision. 
And once he began to put his faith energy in that idea, in that frame of mind, he thought of writing letters. As a result of his letter campaign, the American media picked up the story and he set in motion a series of events that eventually led to a worldwide pressure on South Africa to end apartheid. Mandela refused to succumb to the facts of the situation. And he redirected his faith energy. And he basically asked the question, what is the best that can come out of this? And as a result, answers and solutions began to show up. That's the power of our faith energy, our faith faculty. And then we're looking at this other power today, the faculty of understanding. You know, Linda Martella Winsett notes in her book that we're reading that spiritual understanding, as was quoted earlier, is comprehending, it's internalizing, and then living the truth that we know. Understanding comes over time through study. It's like wisdom. It comes through reflection. Or it can come in a flash suddenly, you know, as the light shines through us. Interesting, she makes a distinction between knowledge and understanding. Knowledge is acquiring facts. Understanding is making sense of those facts and forming a connection between them. You know, I, I, I came to understand that someone told me any time, it's a fact that a tomato is a fruit. But if you have understanding, you realize that you don't put a tomato in a fruit salad. <laughs> That's the distinction between knowing a fact and understanding a fact. Without understanding, people will be able to spout off all kinds of spiritual principles. They'll be able to recite all the metaphysical principles and Bible quotes and till the cows come home. But they won't be able to apply it in their own life. So we want understanding faith. We want understanding to be combined with our faith. And, of course, there's two ways of understanding it, as we pointed out earlier. One is by following the guidance of spirit that dwells within, and others go blindly forward and simply learn from hard experiences. You know, we get understanding, I understand, through pain, or we get it through insight. Sometimes, you know, here it is. You know, there's the easy way or the hard way. Faith works with understanding. And, the, and, and we seek to move forward with understanding faith as opposed to just blindly going forward, which sometimes we go headlong, you know, not even thinking about it, which I guess is probably better than no faith at all. At least we have some direction we're going. But understanding faith is preferable. And understanding faith, we may not know exactly how it's going to work out. We just open up in a sense of awe and how it's going to work out, and we simply set the direction of our faith energy. You know, there's a story about a great forest fire. And there was a parrot who was able to get out of the fire and, and fly away. But he was deeply concerned. He was concerned for his friends that he had left behind and on the ground. And he found a little rag and began to dip it in a nearby river. And he flew into the river, and then he flew into the fire. And he shook a few drops of water out of the rag to try to put the fire out in order to save his animal friends. You know, after some time, the, the gods looked down because the seat of the gods 
would become very hot whenever something interesting or unusual began to take place on earth. So this particular God said, what is that silly bird doing? Thinking he could put out that whole forest fire like that. He became interested in it, and because of his interest, he shape-shifted into an eagle. And he flew alongside the parrot and said, what you doing? And the parrot said, I'm trying to help my friends. They're caught in this big fire. And the eagle said, well, you're just a little bird. You can't put that fire out. And the little parrot looked at him and said, look, at a time like this, the last thing I need is advice. Okay? Now, if you want to help, that's good. That's cool. Otherwise, just do what you're going to do. Fly away. And so the parrot dipped himself in the river. And he got more drops of water. So he was singeing his wings every time he flew through the fire. And the eagle watched with amazement as the bird flew to his friends, the mice, the rabbits, the animals in the forest. The eagle saw how much love this little bird had toward the other creatures. And the eagle's heart broke open, and the eagle began to weep. And according to legend, when the gods weep, what follows is a great thunderstorm. So the clouds opened up, and the tears of compassion for this particular bird and animals turned into rain, and it put out the whole fire. The forest was cool, and the animals were free. And that little parrot moved in the direction of his understanding faith, and the whole universe supported him. I think we, like the parrot, can do the same. Whatever we have and whatever we put our faith energy toward, we do all that we can with understanding that there will be unseen forces that will add the increase along the way. And as I close out, just know that it is hope that propels our faith faculty forward. We fuel that hope when we ask, what can be the best that can come out of this situation? That question, like a heat-seeking missile, sends our faith faculty on a mission to find out which of our heart hopes for can happen. You know, when, when, when I was in prison in those death camps, Viktor Frankl was observed that those who survived avoided apathy because if they became apathetic, it led to their demise. And he went on to discover that the greatest interest and the greatest hope we can have is to find that meaning in our life, to put our faith energy in finding meaning. And if we find that meaning, we can survive anything. Yeah, it's true that our destiny is affected by our circumstances. Stuff happens. But circumstances do not have the final word, even in the worst of circumstances. In those circumstances, we have freedom to choose our attitude toward life and direct our faith energy to possibilities that defy the odds. And so instead of asking questions like, what if this does not work out? Or saying things like, oh, you know, this could go wrong. If we ask questions like that, oh, we think like that, we direct our faith energy toward the ends that will lead to that experience. 
But we can redirect our faith by shifting our mindset, by saying, well, I got to give this mind something to do. So we say, hey, what if the entire universe is supporting me? And our faith power says, huh? It takes notice. It pivots. It goes in another direction. What if I'm living and moving, having my being in this God, and it switches over to that idea? What if everything, everywhere that I go, I'm loved and appreciated and recognized as a spiritual being? What if we ask, what if I'm living the flap of divine supply that's unlimited? What if my body temple is the most magnificent healing mechanism that has ever been created by God? What if God is for me and there is nothing that can be against me? We ask, what if, those questions. And we begin to throw a little what if in there when doubt comes up. And it changes the direction of our faith power away from being stuck on that belief that it can get worse to what if all is well in my world. And it begins to form scenarios that great Things can happen by asking a different question. And it begins to create a feeling tone of being loved, that God is loving us, that God is supporting us, that we're being appreciated and having everything that we need supplied to us. And with that feeling tone, we begin to walk in the world quite differently. We begin to walk in the world not reacting to external circumstances, we begin to walk in the world responding from an awareness that God is all that there is and this God is absolute good and supporting me in my life. And we no longer receive vibrations from the world, try to be influenced by the world. No, we give vibrations to the world. We impute it. We radiate it. And this creates the circumstances in which we see greatness in the circumstance that we're facing. That spiritual understanding in which you and I catch this greatness and possibilities by not living from the surface, by what our eyes can see or trying to make something happen or trying to figure it out with our limited mind. But we have a divine understanding that we're on a mission from God and God cannot fail. And we begin to know something even though we didn't know it before. So you don't know where it may come from. It may seem to come out of the blue. But it's really already within each and every one of us. We simply have to become still enough, earnest enough, sincere enough that we catch it. And with our faith, power, and understanding, we go forth living life with divine audacity. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Transform